Hi, and welcome to Black Door Music Argument Podcast. This is Barry. This is DJ. And today we have a special emergency podcast exploring the Dylanverse with a brand new song and Bob Dylan's first number one by sales, Murder Most Foul. Now, I don't know how many times you've listened to this, but I've listened to it seven times over in the last three days. And if you know how long this song is, you know that I've done nothing but eat, sleep, and listen to Dylan. So, with me again... What more could you ask for in life? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) With me again is DJ, our guest star, I guess we should say, because who else... Sure. But DJ to talk about Bob Dylan. Um, you know, I think we're just going to let's uh, let's hear what DJ has to say about this. First off, uh, it came out. When did it come out, DJ? I think the end of March. Um, don't know the exact date. I just I remember the 27th. Pretty sure it was. Uh, OK, yeah, because I remember it was a Friday morning. Um, I went to bed that Thursday night right around 11:40 and then woke up at like 6 in the morning to get a notification that Dylan had just released this almost 17 minute song and that he did it at midnight and I was just like damn it if I would have stayed up 20 minutes longer <laughs> I could have heard it right when it came out yeah so I got up went upstairs to like my music studio type area hangout loft bachelor pad crib whatever you want to call it and put on my headphones and pushed play on the song and just sat there for 17 minutes. And it was the best start to a day that I've had probably all year. <laughs> well, you know, uh, March 27th, that was about the last day when we could still go out to restaurants, wasn't it? Or was that still already enacted? I think it was about a week after that already. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, what's the date today? The 13th? I think it's the 13th. April 13th, so yep. we're in COVID-19 territory. I am uh, secluded in my underground bunker. DJ is in his hopping bachelor pad, but not for too long because he's soon to be wed to our dear, dear Carrie. So now, so you said... Spoiler alert. Spo- Don't tell Michael. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, Michael actually down has has a guy in denver download these and put them on audio tape and has them shipped so he doesn't get these for about three months after they're released so it's a pretty good system oh okay um so so you listen to this and you clapped your hands and you said i am ready for the day let's go yep and then i went back to bed for an hour and then woke (laughs) up and listened to it again (laughs) (laughs) well the going back to bed for an hour i understand because I mean, it, it was a song where I listened to it, and I'm like, yeah, this is Dylan. And then it just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. But by the time you get, like, halfway through, you just kind of reach almost like a meditative state. Yeah, like, that is It's true. almost a mantra at that point. No, I mean... Where he just keeps, like, get, spitting word after when word. When he gets halfway through, he pretty much just lists all the musicians he's ever liked or met yeah i never saw dylan as being a queen fan so that was kind of fun to hear you know it is kind of fun to hear i gotta give you that and uh you know it the first thing i thought when i heard it is okay murder most foul he lists in this song 
Um, I don't think he was, this was recorded recently. I don't know what your opinion of that is, but um, in here he, he lists. Yeah, I think they said like 2012 or 13. Yeah, because he lists, in the song he says it's been 50 years since the death of JFK. And the first line, of course, was mm-hmm. is a, it was a dark day in Dallas, November 63. So he knows what day it happened. I mean, he was alive and well. He had a career by that time. And uh, so he... So we don't think this is a brand new song, we just a new release, and uh, so probably written about uh, seven years ago. Um, so my first thought was, Dylan, Bobby, why so soon? I mean, this just happened. <laughs> this is the perfect time for a JFK murder song. I mean, obviously it's a when isn't obviously it's a poignant time in history. So I mean, you can never say, "Oh, you can't talk about JFK anymore." Or, uh, but you know, it's it it's just an odd timing. I I thought. Now that opinion of mine though was not shared by many. I mean, I went out there and I read many many reviews, and most of them were like, "Oh, so glad Dylan released this song. It was the song we needed right now. This is the type of tone we need to set." And I'm like, really? I don't know. It's not the type of tone. I mean, this is a fine contemplative song, but, uh, you know, the tone right now is already so dour. I mean, you can't even buy toilet paper. And and now we're sad about JFK all over again. What's your thoughts there, DJ? Yeah, I was actually just just before this, I'd read some other reviews, like from when it came out right away, just kind of people debating or asking like why why are you releasing this song about JFK right now, and hearing similar stuff to what you were just talking about, Barry. Um, right before this, I just pulled up something on the Billboard website, just an interview with a bunch of radio DJs, mm-hmm. kind of talking about why the heck would you play a 17-minute song and take up the space of like four or five different right. songs, and they all. Uh, just kind of like found different ways to justify it. But Jim McGuinn, he's a DJ with The Current. Yeah. Um, I think he hosts um, the current like Radio Heartland program, yeah. like curates a bunch of playlists. But he was talking about, first of all, he's like, well, Dylan's from Minnesota, so we play it. And then he also has a quote where he says, the song dropped at a time when so many of us were starting to figure out how our new reality might look, freaked out at the unknown, and at the same time, craving both the familiar and a moment of discovery. Bob provided both of this song. So just people, I don't know, like, there's always been a debate in, like, pop culture and scholarship about Dylan, just, like, how much do people read into his music and how much is he actually, like, speaking to the times intentionally? Yeah. For me, I think... And like with a song like this, I think he was very intentional about dropping it like two weeks, pretty much two weeks after the U.S. started to shut down because of the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. And just pretty much I think McGuinn hits the nail on the head with his quote there. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I read several reviews and I don't know if you read, where was this out of? I think it was the New Yorker. Yeah. By Kevin Detmer. Did you read that, Mark? Yeah. What's what? I'm um actually in a Facebook group from. They had a Bob Dylan World Symposium last yeah. year in Tulsa at the Bob Dylan Archive, 
and I wanted to go to it, but I had like work to go to. Oh, okay. So couldn't make it, but it sounds like they're having a future. But anyways, this guy is like a part of that group, and he posted it right away. Okay. So, so you've read this article then? Yeah. Um. So what was your reaction to this article? Um, I read it like two weeks ago, so you'll have to refresh my memory. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the one where, um, and it's funny because I, I wanted to quote him because obviously he, he said this, he wrote this in March, 20, March 28th. Um, he's like, it's closely resembled a doggerel version of Don McLean's, uh, you know, uh, American Pie, which yeah. when I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, Bob, this was great, but I liked it better when it was called American Pie. Not that that song is better written but i i don't know you know this is almost in my mind like a a rap song because you know bob's kind of singing but he's also kind of doing that slow voice just over a bed of music you know the music really Mm -hmm. doesn't have anything to do with the you know the the pacing of the song it's just kind of this low bed of piano it sounds like piano cello and a a drum kit i don't know if that's what you thought it was yeah there's Um, upright bass in there too Always oh, our upright bass. Yep. Yeah, that's the. That's Sometimes the it's hard to hell tell what's an upright. If it's super low, it's bass. Okay. Well, I have a I have a I nephew I also that play, plays. I play the I play the uprights. Yeah. So. Well, I, have a, I have a nephew who plays cello, and it does get pretty low. I know it's not quite as low as an upright bass, but yeah. either way, it's uh kind of seems like it's a trio. Um, and they they seem like a hot little trio. I mean, they just keep it sizzling right at the right level the whole way through. And that's where I'm like, you know, if this was mm-hmm. a little up tempo, if Bob was a little more punchy, this is almost this is almost like a rap song in, in my mind. I don't know how you feel about yeah. So no, I I, I could totally see that. I actually um, have a pocket theory that came up with a few years ago. Really haven't seen too much on it, but so. He lived in New York and Greenwich Village right after he moved from Minnesota in the early 60s. I got this theory that when he was in Greenwich, he would go up to Harlem every once in a while or people from Harlem would come down to the village and there'd be like this cross-pollination of music styles. So Dylan was in Harlem and he was like hearing early rap and that influenced his music. And I I think you can kind of see that on Subterranean Homesick Blues. Sure. So in 1964, when he's like, Johnny's in the basement, mixing oh, yeah. up the medicine, I'm on the pavement, thinking about the government. Just like the word. And thanks for bringing up one of his songs lyrics. that I absolutely love. Because, you know, we've had so this a lot of them. discussions on things that I have found that I don't like. But sub, <laughs> Subterranean Homesick Blues is, is one of my favorites. But. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What so, else? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree that this could easily be a rap song. So, yeah, this is the one where he kind of says. Uh, the last seven minutes of the song resemble nothing as much as a playlist from the theme time radio hour that he hosted from 2006 to 2009. Um, so, I mean, he just mm-hmm. kind of picked out some things, but okay. I, there were certain p- parts of this song that I love, um, like including the line, uh, don't say Dallas, don't love you, Mr. President, which was, I believe a quote from, mm-hmm. uh, somebody said at, at the speech, where was it? Uh, I believe it was, a, was it a grocer's? A convention a, it was like I think it was a group of uh, a low, uh, area grocers association um, that he was speaking at yeah something like that and um, yeah just a couple of years ago I, I I went to Dealey Plaza and went up into the book uh, repo- uh, depository suppository I don't know what, what 
but uh, it was kind mm. of in, it was really interesting to see. But I mean, you know, he's he's really putting a lot of stuff like that that um, that's really great. Um, and what was the, I think my favorite one? My favorite one was where he said, uh, "I'm trying to find the actual words," but he thousands saw it, but no one saw a thing. Do you remember that line? Yep. Yep. That was just great Let because me... it was exactly what it is. I mean, everybody's seen the Zapruder film. Everybody's, you know, there was there's hundreds of not a thousand people right there. He got shot multiple times mm-hmm. and no one knows a thing. And, and, and they says, uh, it's, I think it was one of the end of this one. Oh, I really wish I'd find this now. But, Great. Uh, so it's it happened. Uh, thousands are watching. No one saw a thing. It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise, right there in front of everyone's eyes. Greatest magic trick ever under the sun. Perfectly executed. Skillfully done. Yeah. I, right there. I think that's my favorite part of this song. He just he has a way of using relatively simple words to paint a picture that feels more emotionally true than you ever thought it could. And so, mm-hmm. you know, right there, I, that part of the song, uh, just makes, makes me love it. It, I almost want to forgive everything else for that part of the song. But let's talk about some of the other stuff because, um, like I said, this is for me, this was a slog to get through 17 minutes, very slow music and, and Bob kind of half singing, so, half talking through it. I, I went for a run right before this, and I listened to it while I was out running. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> By the end, you were crawling and crying. They shot him. They shot him. They got away with it. Um, one of the Pretty things, much. Uh, you know, he mixes so many metaphors in here. Uh, you know, in the first verse, he said, being led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb. Okay, sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. led to the slaughter got it that's an image i know exactly what that is you might say you know christ-like right mm-hmm. then shot down like a dog in broad daylight well that's a different image because shooting down a dog in mm-hmm. broad daylight is something that no one gives a shit about shooting down a shooting a dog down i mean well now it does but the time that's your pita yeah but still you know People shoot a dog down. Mm-hmm. That a shot down like a dog means that it, it didn't mean anything. So I don't understand how that's yeah. involved. And obviously, the whole song he's really going towards the you know we he's he said we'll mock you and we'll shock you and we'll put put it in your face. We've already got someone to take your place. Meaning you know alluding to Johnson, which of course there's many theories mm-hmm. that Johnson either knew about it or was complacent with it or some people say had a hand in it or some people said, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's alive that it still mm-hmm. was old enough to have any input in influence at the time. But so, you know, he's, this is what makes me think, you know, to have this song is great, but to release it right now, I don't get why. Cause this is like, you know, conspiracy stuff. And I can get that, you know, right now that, I mean, the times are very, you know, uh, the political and ad, everybody's at, at odds with uh, the two parties. And I mean, and then there are people like me who 
try to just step back. Um, but uh, the uh, you know this this song at this time, I don't know. It it really is kind of like and and who is anybody <laughs> against Kennedy anymore? I mean, honestly, Kennedy, if he were a Democrat today, would be a Republican because you know. He was a drug addict. He used, a, he used the White House as a whorehouse, and then he started uh, two wars while he was in office. But he died while he was in office because of assassination. So and at hero. the and at the same time, though, I think he still would be in the Democrat. He still would be in the Democratic Party, I, just as like social welfare programs and like anti-racism well, legislation I, that like never really went through like the i mean the civil rights act passed under johnson but yeah. well like johnson with with a grain of salt well and that's why he wanted johnson in his i'm sorry i backed away from my mic that's why he wanted johnson in his administration he was the uh he was the was minority or majority whip in the senate and so he could get stuff done so he was trying to get things done for his his uh, uh, party, but you know, I mean, famously, uh, you know, this is a, a president who used the Rat Pack to uh, to you know get elected, and then Sammy Davis Jr. not invited to the inaugural the inauguration, which destroyed the Rat Pack. That's why uh, Sinatra went, and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. couldn't. And so Dean Martin said, nope, I'm not going either because this isn't right. So I don't know. It, you know, wow, there's a whole. Oh, yeah. So there's a whole. Well, I mean, there's reasons. I'm not saying he was an out and out racist. The thing is, because of the way that the Southern Democrats were at the time, you couldn't get anything done without them. And so he didn't want to offend them. But at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, it would have been a good signal to the country that this is going to be an inclusive presidency. Um, you know, there's yeah. there's lots of things oh, yeah. to consider. I'm not saying it's it says one thing. I'm just I just heard uh, know that mm -hmm. story. Uh, but anyway, well, this yeah. that's Can't... the kind of thing that says this song right now is not. I don't know. Right now is not the time. But um, you know, that's neither here. That's uh, I guess for for everybody to judge for themselves. But there's so many things that are mm -hmm. just thrown in here that seem like they belong in a bad seventh grade poem like living on a night i mean before before we get to that before we get to that just sure. one more thought on what you just said about the timing of this yeah so i think when he he gets it's like right before to where he starts quoting all these songs like play whatever 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 uh -huh. he says there's the line um where he, he calls, he says, like, killed him like a human sacrifice. The day that they killed him, someone said to me, son, the age of the Antichrist has just only begun. Right. So I think, like, that line, I guess to me that line in the song is kind of the reason, like, why he released it today. Not saying that, like, anyone alive right now is the Antichrist, but just, like, the age of the Antichrist being like, associated with Armageddon or like the end of the world or just like huge change and upheaval so like in the world. The, this is the time where so, we're not going to be polite and, and actually kind of move towards making a better society. We're just going to out and out fight all the time with each other. Or are you spe speaking maybe, more? I don't know if that's what he's saying. I think it's, he's just saying like, like change is coming and like, see, or either that or else like, either that or I also see it as 
Oh, or I also see it as like he's tracing back where we are today to Kennedy's assassination. So everything that followed Kennedy's assassination, like the civil rights movement, Vietnam especially, and then the backlash with um, Nixon, his impeachment, and then eventually the 80s with Reagan. And then, like, the war on drugs, like, everything leading up to, and mass incarceration, like, everything leading up to where we are today, he's pointing it back to that moment in time, which a lot of people do. Like, conspiracy theorists or even, like, scholars tracing the history of, like, American society and politics to, like, asking the question, like, what if Kennedy had not been assassinated? Like, what would our country look like? Will we be, like, more progressive yeah, now? Yeah, well, or- I mean... Like, better prepared. Okay. I, look, you can go down that line of argument, but for... I'll just say this. If you start going down that line, that's kind of like almost every president. Now, there's a, a president here and there where really nothing happened. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you know, people trace this really, if you want to get down to it, it was Wilson and his participation in the talks at... At, at World War One, after World War One, mm-hmm. and him not being able to get his his points across, that actually, if if you know, started some of the problems in Vietnam. You know, so I mean, it all mm-hmm. all this stuff is related, and it goes back. And I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. I mean, this is a terrible thing, but you know, it's I and it gets a lot of. That's the thing. All these things that get big press, a lot of times are like pointed at as the big changing point and to be fair this this is but you know a lot of other things were happening because there was a lot of bad stuff that was happening you know especially in the south where they were trying to get change and Uh, the president was mm -hmm. coming trying to help but uh it was still you know it couldn't get it done so i don't know Mm -hmm. i mean uh, i don't think that's a discussion for a musical podcast yeah I wonder if it's Dylan pointing, well, it could be, I wonder if it's Dylan pointing to history and just so reminding people, like, remember what happened in the past so you don't make the same mistakes today or in the future. Okay, well, that's a- and then he kind of uses, then he kind of uses, like, the, the next section, the musical section to trace all these artists that have come between then and now. Well, let's talk about that point, though. I mean, some of them before. Let's talk but, about that point that, yeah. um, that we're, we're tracing things back to this this action but to what end i mean you know his his songs in the in the 60s had great impetus they they were propelling the movement forward they were you know they were they were getting things to move in a direction and this just seems like hey remember when when they killed our president and they got away with it those bastards and now they're living next to you and me it but what do you what do you do with that i don't see a point to where he's going and i don't know if that's can you speak to that or am i completely out of place here i don't know i think you have a place there um i just think it's him 78 years old or yeah i think he's 78 he'll be 79 this year but yeah just kind of looking back and just almost like giving a history of hey this is what happened Sometimes you just like play all these songs to get through. Not true. Like you guys haven't, you guys haven't listened to me. Like I've tried so many different times and so many different ways to get my message across. 
for people to change but you keep pushing me aside for whatever reason and keep going back to your old ways so i'm just gonna like sit here and release this almost 17 minute long song because i can right okay i don't know so we're kind of at odds there like like i said i can see a thing i can see a conversation happening but it's one of those conversations where you have at the bar where you're like yeah they just do what we said at the bar it all get fixed and then and then you forget what you said at the bar by the time you wake up the next morning so but you always get you got a vent okay now now let's get into some of the good stuff uh rub a dub dub sorry for that (laughs) rub a dub dub it's a murder most foul uh come on rub a dub dub man why not uh Living the Beatles in a, said "Gugu Kachub" and Simon and Garfunkel said "Cuckoo Kachub." Okay, so you want to get into the uh, what else is there? There's a wop up, a up, a wop bam boom. Somebody said that was the like yeah, but, one of the greatest lines in rock and roll history. Yeah, but it was original. Carol King. Carol King said that. Yeah, That's who said that. But it was, uh, but it was original. That's true. <laughs> uh, living in a nightmare on. But who came up with rub a dub dub? Exactly. Uh, living in a nightmare on Elm Street. I just wrote next to that mm. boo, not as a ghost, but boo. Uh, frankly, Miss Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Uh, there's just so many of these just cliches dropped in here. If, like I said, if this was a seventh grade poetry work, he'd get an F. I mean, I rem- you know, you can't get away with this shit unless you're already lauded for being one of the greatest writers in history. I mean, this is the guy who basically plagiarized Spark Notes to write his ex- acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize in Literature Award. So, <laughs> sure. And I mean, there's something to be said about taking parts of things done before and turning into beautiful artwork. But I'm just like, you know, we just came out of me t- saying there are certain lines in this that are sheer, uh, you know, beauty. And honestly, if I think you cut this, you cut this song down to about three minutes, you can stitch together something that's pure genius. And but the genius is lost in the ramblings of an old man. Barry said it first, everybody. Well, look, I'm the kind. I'm the guy who, you, you know, Lewis Black is comedian. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got a bit about mm-hmm. he's got a bit about candy corn, and you go, oh look, candy corn, and you pick it up and you go, ah, damn it. It's horrible. And then next mm-hmm. year you go, oh, look, candy corn. And you go, ah, damn it. See, what I need is a playlist of the Dylan songs that I love and just ignore all the rest. Because when I try to play through his albums, oh, it just it gets into that candy corn phase for me. You don't know what I'm talking about, though. No, <laughs> maybe I'm like three or four albums. I don't know. Okay. Um, I get it, but the, yeah, I get it. Um, I don't know. That's interesting that you say that because I'd say I agree that the first half of the song is definitely more interesting and unique and original, and like he tells the story, and then like the second half is just I'm gonna play all these songs, and that gets yeah. Like, part of it gets a little boring for me, but then the other part is, like, I'm expecting, I'm wondering what song is he going to pick. And then when you say something like, 
play Moonlight Sonata and F sharp. I'm like, oh, I know that song. That's pretty cool. I never would have thought well, I would have right, heard that in a Dylan song. That's the thing. Like, or play another one, Bites the Dust. Right. But here's the thing. You, this is like a song for people who want to be smacked in the face with things that are a little bit subtle, but they actually know. So you're like, he's listing all this stuff off. Yeah. And instead of being one of those Dylan geniuses who know exactly what he was refer- referring to in the third line of this song out of this album, uh, you know, and now everybody, every, uh, you know, 55 year old sitting in their uh, Lexus listening to this on their drive. Well, not to work today, but uh, is going, oh, yeah, I know that song. Oh, yeah, I know that group. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just like now you're almost pandering, Bob. Come on. In the past, he would hide his things and make you do the work to understand his works, and now he's like, "Okay, here's a here's a thing." Well, he he's got he's got the line play number nine, play number six. And I'm pretty sure number nine is a reference to Revolution number nine off the White Album. Mm-hmm. I don't think too many people would get that right away. Oh, I'm sure there's so there are some like hidden spots the, in there. I'm, I'm sure people people, well, people I don't know I know people. There, there are a couple people who really love the Beatles, so there's probably more than just you. I don't know, but still, like Revolution Number Nine is like a song that you skip over on the album unless like you're really into the avant-garde or you just want like that really different thing because it's like John and Yoko messing around on a tape recorder. Yeah, I know. With loops and stuff. Yeah, it's it it's like a wouldn't when a 12 year old finds a tape recorder for the first time and, and, uh, exactly. And plays with it. Perfect description. But because they were millionaires, yeah. it made it on an album. Got it. Yep. <laughs> okay. This is the one I don't get, uh, play something for the Birdman of Alcatraz. Now that was a movie based on a, a real person, but the Birdman of Alcatraz was a horrible criminal. And the movie was not based on fact at all. If you're including this in a song, I mean, are you just, are you just putting it in there or I mean he puts it right before Buster Keaton but you know there's not a lot of people who know about silent film stars of the 20th and whether or not he was really uh, you know guilty of the crimes that he was supposedly committed either so I don't I just don't get why it's dropped in other than it's a, a reference to pop culture that people are going to know mm-hmm or am I wrong? I don't know. You tell me I'm wrong. I think it. Well, I don't. For me, it like just comes back to the whole history thing, and just like the idea, like with music, you listen to a song or hear a song name, and it triggers a specific moment in time for a lot of people. Like you have that, either the moment you heard the song for the first time, like where you were, or like a song that connects with a certain like time in your life if it's like joy or happiness or like a breakup or you're really sad or like a funeral or wedding whatever and maybe i'm reading too much into this but i think like this whole section could be a way to help people like trigger memories and like association with where they heard those songs i don't know well you know my ultimate take on this i like i said you cut this down to three minutes i think it could be a work of genius i think it's hidden by the uh you know the extra fat on the back end hell you cut it down to seven minutes it might be a great song but 
as far as I'm concerned, it's it's a song by Dylan for Dylan Heads and a gift for you guys. And I'm really glad what? you enjoy it, DJ. Why is it? Why did it hit number one on the Billboard Rock chart then, Barry? If it's just for Dylan Heads? Because every everybody bought it without hearing it. They just it it hit it almost instantly. It hit it before seventeen minutes had passed. So people just bought it as like a status thing. No, just because. Kind of like a. Well, they just bought it just to say they bought it. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think they bought it to say they bought it. I I think they really wanted to hear it, and they they did and i'm not saying they didn't not i don't i'm not saying they didn't like it i'm saying it's it's for people who like dylan okay yeah i agree with you on that or history buffs and i happen to fall on both of them so makes sense why i like it i I mean i'm an amateur history buff i i get a a lot of the things in here i mean woodstock and altamont i mean know that you know go through here and well like i said that's why i was thinking yeah, it seemed too easy for Dylan music. You know, I mean, there's a lot. There's a a lot of his music goes real deep, and you know, some of the stuff he wrote in the '70s is just you know, it's like wading through a marsh. It's so deep, and this just seems like it's just skimming it. And like then, like yeah. I said, my my real that. come away with it is okay. I get venting about something, but venting about something that long ago and i don't know if you if he thinks that you know people you know history is repeating itself or we can't you know we have to write the train it started back here and it's still off course and we have to do something in this election period or or what i just uh you know i just i just don't get the goal and i I don't see it like i don't know well he's not the old bob i mean he's the old bob but he's not you know the bob of his early career so i don't know I'll say this: I may never see the, hear the song again, but at least not it's in, in its an entirety because it's a long song. I don't see it that it's not it's just not that interesting to me. Um, there are certain parts of it I love. I, it's interesting that he wrote uh, a song about it. But like I said, um, when you talk about when you talk about Kennedy. A man who bought his presidency, and then instead of doing favors for the uh, for the people who got him there, like was expected, he became a drug addict. He started the he did a little thing in Cuba. I don't know if you heard about. He basically laid the grounds for Vietnam. There was a lot of. I mean, don't get me wrong. He he saved our butts during the Cuban missile crisis, but. This is not a presidency that's full of of greatness. It was a presidency that was full of yeah, glamour. Yeah, he had lots of faults. Yeah, there's a, this is a presidency that was full of glamour. He had a lot of great ideas. He had a lot of hope. And I know people love hope, but results matter too. And the thing is, when you have someone who's shot down, you know, they're just going to be lauded. And I'm not saying he shouldn't get his due, but I think, I think Bob Dylan, especially being the age he was, in the time he was and probably seeing that this was the presidency to, to get a lot of his ideas going that he liked too. Uh, I could see that he would take it a little bit personally, but I just don't give mm-hmm. Kennedy as much, as much ground as Bob Dylan does. And I don't know, did Dylan ever meet Kennedy? I don't, I don't know if he's no. Okay. No. 
Um, yeah, I, d I definitely agree with that. Uh, I just, like, it, a thought I have is, like, the whole, like, well, he says only the good die, like, the Billy Joel, only the yeah. good die young. That's one of the songs that he references. And just this whole, like, thing we have in our culture and our history of, like, uplifting and lauding these people, mostly European men who get shot or die at, like, a super young age. So, like, I mean, Kennedy, John Lennon, like, Mozart died super young. Just these artists and, like, cultural figures who are killed. I mean, even, like, MLK, like, five years later, and, like, Bobby Kennedy, too. But just, like, the people asking the question, like, what could have been, like, what if? But Martin, And that's a question that people have always asked. Right. And it's something that, it, like, everybody gets down a rabbit hole, and it's something that can, like, generate conversation no, and right. get people's, like, minds spinning. It doesn't, like, really accomplish anything. But no. it's, yeah, just part of human nature, always. Yep. Well, it was, it is an interesting song, and I hope uh, I hope everybody gives it a listen, at least once. Actually, I think you really need to go through this twice and print out the lyrics because there's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, maybe stop at seven minutes. Mm -hmm. That's just my two bits. But anyway, for the Black mm -hmm. Door Music Podcast, I'm Barry, and I'm DJ, and go have a listen. If you like this episode, we are so sorry. But this has been the Black Door Music Argument, where opinions are always welcome. But are probably wrong. Including mine. We provide the best research Wikipedia offers. So tell all of your friends and your mistress. Or your manstress. Or your other token female friends. But not your grandma. Unless your grandma's fucking cool. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Look for us on Instagram. We're not on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We don't tweet. Like us on Facebook. Okay, Boomer. Talk about us on MySpace. Or Friendster. Stop trying to out MySpace me. And always remember to clear your browser history. But most of all. Especially important. Super crucial. The ultimate. Baby, baby it's, it's cold, cold outside. outside.